Hello, hello, America. This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise, and once again, it is my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and welcome. It's an honor to be here today with you, and I have a packed show. So with your indulgence, I'm going to get right to it. Those of you who joined me last week know I called for the immediate impeachment of infamous Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, or should I say, of Homeland Insecurity. Now, if you happen to have missed that show, and I know you're probably very apologetic about that, you're in luck. You can listen to last week's show at any time because it's now on podcast at the America Out Loud Network station under my Frankly Daniel show listing. Now, I've also posted a very comprehensive article and a a quite well-referenced article with this podcast, which is also available at America Out Loud, and it clearly articulates why I'm calling for this incompetent ideologue's ouster. Now, the creative editorial board at America Out Loud listened to this podcast and read my heavily referenced article on the subject and decided to entitle the show, quote, Impeach the Traitor, Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas, now. Now, my thoughts about the title were a little less kind, but I like this one just fine. And there's nothing like a clear, decisive title. Now, I don't know if you, you probably remember this. As a matter of history, Congress created the cabinet-level Department of Homeland Security after the gruesome terrorist attacks on 9-11. Unfortunately, under Alexander Nicholas Mayorkas, America has never been so insecure. In last week's Frankly Daniel show, I played the laments of numerous senators and House Republicans as they grilled Mayorkas about his perversion of our immigration system, a system that no longer protects our borders and protects us from those people who come across those borders many of them unbeknownst to anybody. But instead, everything has turned into a massive processing and travel center on the border to log as many illegal aliens into the country as possible and then fly them all over the nation, never to be found by ICE or Immigration and Customs Enforcement, never to be found again, not even during the next Donald Trump administration. (laughs) Clearly, that's their goal. Now, at the risk of sounding self-promotional, I encourage you to go to America Out Loud and listen to or download and listen later to this particular podcast. You can easily find it under the Frankly Daniel Show. I promise you will find it shocking and worrisome and extremely informative. We are no longer attempting to keep illegal aliens out of America. The border is not closed. The border is not secure. Everything's quite to the contrary. And you and I, yes, you and I, we are paying hundreds of billions of dollars for all of this every year without even being asked about it. It's just, it just happens. It happens to us. It's one of those things we truly have no control over. Now, here's a piece of trivia I know you don't know about because it took me some time to find and validate this information. 
And this is something you can use at any social gathering or whatever. You can say on the, on the QT. The White House has already spent over $3 million preparing for Secretary Mayorkas's impeachment. Yes, you heard me right. And they, $3 million just preparing for his impeachment. Now, that's, that's some expensive lawyering, if you ask me. And they're, they're still at it. They're still in the preparation stages because they know this is going to be a hellacious fight. And I don't know what they can possibly be putting together because if you listen to last week's podcast and one that's going to come up the next week I'm going to be doing on the border, they don't have a leg, a finger, uh, or any other appendage to stand on in, in terms of what's going on at the border. Now, yes, as I said, the White House expects the Republican House to eventually you know, muster the nerves, impeach Mayorkas for high crimes and misdemeanors is spelled out in our Constitution. And I want to bring you up to date on illegal immigration. We're now at more than 1.7 aliens, also known as gotaways. They've entered the country. We have absolutely no idea or information about who they are or what their intent is while being here illegally. But you're welcome to imagine why, given the Biden administration is handing out free passes into the country, why 1.7 million alien migrants wouldn't bother to stop at the Border Patrol station and have the Department of Homeland Insecurity pay for their free flight to anywhere in the country. All of this remains a mystery to, to, to most intelligent people. Note that this 1.7 million is about a half million person increase over the usual figure quoted of 1.2 million. And this number just keeps growing. I mean, why? Yes, why? You ask. It's because our grossly understaffed Border Patrol officers, who are really just a marvelous group of people, are too busy, in fact. They're swamped processing asylum claims of people from more than 160 distinctly different nations who at the bequest of the Biden administration are presenting themselves as victims seeking permanent residence in the United States. Now, all of this brings me back to a question I've been asking you often here on the Frankly Daniel Show. How safe are you and your family? You ask, safe from what? Well, this depends on what safe and safety means to you. And if that safety you feel is lasting and helps you feel more secure. I mean, what does it mean to be secure and safe? First, let's, let's talk about the most important job of government. It's one that we hear all the time. What's the most important job of government? Uh, the, it's to keep us safe, right? It's why we have a military, a National Guard, an FBI, police and sheriffs, fire departments, courts of law, etc., etc., Now, you might ask, what's the standard definition of safe anyway? To be safe is to be protected from or not exposed to danger or risk. In other words, not likely to be harmed or damaged. Well, I want to keep that in mind as we go through today's Frankly Daniel Show. Let's bring this concept of safety home. What is your most important job in life? I mean, other than praying and being good so you will eventually go to heaven. That's exactly where I plan on going. The, the bus is getting full, so 
get your ticket get your ticket soon it, it it is to keep yourself safe that's your most important job you have to keep yourself safe did you ever think that that was your most important job and as they say think about it yeah think about it that's Joe's old turn think about it if you do not remain safe if you're always at risk you likely won't be around or won't be able to recover from some freak accident or financial setback or whatever. Now, if you have a family, here too, your most important job is to keep them safe, but you've got to keep yourself safe first. I'm sure you've heard the advice that if you're on a flight with your child and oxygen masks are deployed from the overhead bins, you first put the mask on yourself and then on your child. Now, this may sound counterintuitive, but it is the correct order. If you aren't okay, you won't be there to help your child if there really is a pending crisis. Next up, I submit that safety and security most definitely depend on one's perspective and geography. Safety is often just a perception, but there also are reality parts to it, and the geography, where you live, does make a difference. When we feel safe, we find it easier to relax, at least I do. We can do all the things important to us, and we can focus on the work and study we need to do to help ensure our emotional and physical stability. I mean, safety is really about stability, too, isn't it? Who would disagree with these statements about safe? Allow me to state the obvious. Home is where we spend a large amount of time. In fact, for most of us, it's where we spend, I'd say, the lion's share of our time. So it, it's very important to feel secure and safe there, don't you think? And as I've said, really, I've led up to this, safety is a state of mind. If you do not feel emotionally safe, then you, you are not safe. Safety is also a physical and environmental reality. If your home is located just a few miles from an earthquake fault line, you probably are not safe. And unless you are sort of into denial, I don't know why you would feel safe there. Now, feelings of threat or substantial risk often move us to seek, I would say, a more stable environment, a less risky circumstance. But short of being a psychic, unless you know about a risk or threat to your emotional and physical well-being, you likely do not perceive there's a big risk right around the corner. Yes, some risks to safety and security just creep up upon us, especially these ones. Let me, let me give you a few examples. For instance, what if a risk to your family depends on the performance of others that you don't really have a lot of direct control over? Like whether your police force is a top-notch force or it's just plain severely short-staffed. Or taxes keep going up and your kids are consistently underperforming in a woke school environment and they're not reading or doing math at a grade level and it's unlikely they're ever going to if you stay there. Now some parents, some parents don't mind if their children share unisex restrooms at school. Or, or have drag queens come into the school every week for a reading hour. You know, I mean, it's quite an educational experience. But if you're not one of these parents, then you have three options. The three are known as Exit, Voice, and Loyalty. It's a very famous book by that. It's just a very small book. It was written by, a, a, I think it was a graduate thesis at Harvard, 
And I think the person got tenure because it was such a landmark book to state the obvious. And I'm going to go through the obvious with you. And you're going to see that it's pretty obvious, but it's pretty cool. If you don't like what's going on at school or the other things that seemingly make you constantly less safe, but you really like the area and you support the political party in charge and all your friends are there and all those other things, you likely will choose loyalty. And you're going to remain there despite these other obstacles. Of course, you could get involved in changing the way things operate at school or run for the school board or lobby to support better funding for law enforcement. This is what they call voice. You're going to get actively involved in changing the risks, changing the bad stuff. But at times, this can be even a bigger risk. Voice can be a very risky strategy. But it may work. And, you know, you have to make your own assessments, your own tactical and strategic assessments of whether that risk is worth taking. Now, I've been involved in some situations where I've jumped off a cliff on trying to voice my way into changing things. And it doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does, and it's very satisfactory. Now, this last option is rather self-explanatory. It's called exit. For instance, you leave for Florida. Pretty simple, right? Florida is growing at nearly 400,000 people per year, and that's net-net. In other words, those leaving Florida subtracted from those coming to Florida. I'd say 25% of the new residents are retirees, or people pretty close to that. They'll buy a home down here and get ready to make that transition. 70%, at least 70%, are refugees are people seeking asylum. They're refugees from blue states like New Jersey, New York, Maryland, and Massachusetts. And I'm familiar with all those places, by the way, and those are refugees coming down here. The last 5% are folks who've moved here because of their job. I have yet to meet a refugee who doesn't feel remarkably safer and more secure in Florida than from where they escaped. They don't think the economic, social, and political environment is likely to undergo any abrupt seismic changes. That's stability. There is safety in stability. Predictability. Now, whether you believe it or not, and you may not, but I'm here to tell you it's true. Your safety and security also heavily depend on your local, state, and national politics. Honest. Most certainly honest. First to national politics. This past week, Tucker Carlson, who hosts a primetime show Monday through Friday on Fox News, interviewed Donald J. Trump. It's his first interview since his indictment and arraignment in a Manhattan court for 34 counts of something no one can figure out what they really are because they forgot to finish the story. But in any event... Tucker and Donald Trump covered multiple topics. Surprisingly, in fact, the topics were mostly about foreign policy. Now, I am going to play several abbreviated audio clips from these interviews. They actually span one and a half shows. I think it was the Monday and Tuesday show of this particular week. And you can find that on Fox Nation if you're a subscriber to Fox Nation. Unfortunately, when we vote for a president... We rarely think the candidate's position and proven track record on, say, foreign policy 
has much to do with our safety and security. Now, come to think of it, we never really know their actual domestic policy positions either. Instead, we get slogans with, without any supplemental explanations. For instance, Joe Biden said he was going to stop all fossil fuel production in America. Supposedly, this is in response to global warming and climate change. But did we really understand that this meant the following things? No more regular light bulbs. We've got to go to the LED light bulbs now. We're going to have low water showers again. The energy department's going to start limiting our air conditioning as to what we can actually set our thermostats at. We already know that they're coming after our natural gas stove ranges. It's quite clear that energy is sizably more expensive. Food is more expensive. There's costlier air travel. And now we're moving to this issue of charging stations for electric vehicles. You know, it's a funny thing. When, when we, trans, we transitioned from horses to cars, you know, every filling station or gas station in this country was entirely built by the private sector. But oh no, we are going to be paying for all the charging stations. Taxpayers are paying for the charging stations because we're going to jam this transition down everybody's uh, tailpipe. That's for sure. Now you probably know that the EPA this week announced a new off-the-wall gas car admission standards. EPA is demanding that 67%, I don't know how they came at 60 but 67% of all new car sales must be electric vehicles by 2032. I don't know what the or else is. We all are going to fall in a pit or the ocean's going to rise to such a level that, you know. It won't be long before the EPA, under Democratic Party control, demands that our current cars meet higher emission standards as well, meaning that we're going to have to take them off the road and watch them rot in our front yards, I guess. Currently, new car sales for electric vehicles come in at a whopping 5.8%, almost 6%. So by 2032, we're supposed to be new car sales at 67%. Ah, That's really quite a stretch, especially considering that we're going to make China the most wealthy nation the world has ever seen in that amount of time. Because everything about electric vehicles depends on the minerals, the rare earths, and everything else having to do with lithium batteries for cars. And our electric grid, I mean, who's going to fix the electric grid I mean, where is all this electricity going to come from that's going to be powering our grid so that all these cars can charge? I mean, that's a really, really curious question. Where is the electricity going to come from? Is it all going to come from these solar panels and these wind turbines that are killing whales in our ocean and and all that stuff? Making it so, they're also making it so that rules cannot be changed by future administrations. They're really trying to lock this in, that this is set in stone, you can't change it, we're going EV, that's it. You might say that they're obviously already anticipating Donald Trump winning in 2024. 
Now, all of these fossil fuel policies are significantly lowering our standard of living. There's no way they can't for most of us. Your standard of living, my standard of living, that's what I'm talking about. All these policies restrict our liberty and freedom as Americans. You can only, on average, drive about 300 miles in an electric vehicle before you've got to have a long sit-down charging session. This is sort of your tether. You can't go any further than that unless you can find a charging station somewhere and sit there and read War and Peace while your car gets charged. Now, how does any of this fit into our constitutional right to pursue happiness? And as the world has become an increasingly dangerous place in just the past two years, should there be a nuclear war? What will all the green energy politics add up to then? And I think you have to start considering the leadership of Joe Biden on the international scene as it relates to a possible nuclear war. And did any of us really give Joe Biden the license to completely rearrange our lives and safety under some fictitious threat from climate change? You see, Biden believes he's keeping America safe. He thinks that's the goal of government, is to protect us from climate change. He is protecting the world from the destruction of global warming. But we're the ones paying an awful price while China builds two coal-fired electric plants every week of the year. We can never offset China's pollution nor that of India, not even if we all stop driving immediately. In the meantime, China and Russia are now partners, thanks to Joe. Saudi Arabia has established diplomatic relations with their archenemy, Iran, all brokered by China. Yes, dogs and cats sleep with snakes. Brazil has joined with China and our friend in the Middle East, Egypt, who is ready to sell 40,000 rockets to Russia to use in Russia's war with the Ukraine. What a friend indeed. France is copulating with China and says, Europe ought to stop sleeping with America. Thank you, France. America is bearing more than 70% of the cost of the Ukrainian-Russian war. If we pulled out of NATO tomorrow, Ukraine would fall in 15 minutes, and by next week, Putin would head straight to Poland and then Germany. But God forbid if we don't sell our soul to China to prevent global warming. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, 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 um, I'll, I'll take a pause from painting this picture because I've temporarily run out of a blood-red uh, paint. But before I get to the Trump tapes, I have to play just two short audio clips. One from the Secretary of the Defenseless, General Lloyd Austin, and one from Meritless Garland, our totally political Attorney General. First, Austin. I was first briefed on the reports of unauthorized disclosure of sensitive and classified material on the morning of April 6th. And since then, I've been convening senior department leaders daily on our response and I've directed an urgent cross-department effort. And we've referred the matter to the Department of Justice, which has opened a criminal investigation. Now, I can't say much more while the Justice Department's investigation is ongoing, but we take this very seriously. And we will continue to work closely with our outstanding allies and partners 
and nothing will ever stop us from keeping America secure. The documents that, uh, that we are aware of are dated the 28th of February and 1st of March. Uh, I, I don't know if there are other documents that are, that have been online before. These are things that we will find, uh, find out as we continue to investigate. Next up is Meritless Garland. I'm joined today by Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco and FBI Director Paul Bate. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. Teixeira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Teixeira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. I want to thank the FBI, Justice Department prosecutors, and our colleagues at the Department of Defense for their diligent work on this case. This investigation is ongoing. We will share more information. Good old Meritless forgot to thank the Washington Post and the New York Times for finding this character and publishing his story well before the Department of Defenseless and the Bureau of Incompetence identified this self-important Air National Guardsman. Now, we've heard that the Pentagon didn't even know for six weeks that these files were missing, even when they were turning up more and more in different places on the web. And now they have blamed, they have blamed the social media companies that these fellows were participating in. They've blamed the person who took the stuff. But they have accepted no blame themselves for being so loose with these. You know, we have protocols. If people don't follow them, it's not our fault. No one ever is accountable in the Biden administration. Nobody ever. The fact that someone is low on the totem pole as a Air National Guardsman had access to this kind of information, and apparently a lot more that he didn't share, is really quite disturbing. And where was the FBI? They were probably busy still chasing down parents to go to school board meetings and chasing down uh, extremist Catholics, which is a part of a story I'm going to get into in the second half of today's program. I'm sure you know just about what time it is right about now. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show, and I'm not kidding. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. 
Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years brush floss repeat we're told to use fluoride which doesn't really address the acid creating bacteria that is where the dentist recommended spry dental defense system shines spry products contain xylitol a natural sugar which helps get rid of those nasty smelly acid creating bacteria in our mouth the best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. Now, just before we left, we were talking a little bit about these leaked documents out of the Pentagon. What really disturbs me is that for six weeks now, it seems that the Pentagon had no idea that this stuff was beginning to circulate, and that circulation grew and grew and grew until it became a topic of news, and then they sort of clued in on the whole thing. Now, the topics that have been covered in the sort of 55 slides of elite uh, classified information are too numerous to go over. And I'll play a, a clip of one reporter's take on just some of the military stuff in Ukraine for you here in just a minute. But, uh, you know, what if, uh, what if we had war plans and certain actions and certain strategic uh, objectives and how we were going to meet those objectives outlined in some of these things. You mean that the Pentagon wouldn't know for six weeks that our enemies may have this information because they downloaded it off of social media? Boy, I'll tell you, we have a huge hole in our information uh, secrecy. And I guess it's no... No big thing. I mean, even Joe Biden in Ireland today, he's there five days. What what interest is it to the American people that our president is over in Ireland chasing his roots, uh, you know, for five days? It's just amazing. But he came out and said that uh, the leaks was no big deal. Nothing was really contemporaneous and uh, on and on. And so he's not making a big deal like his poo-poo. I suppose that what that's what your official position has to be as if you're downplaying the whole thing. I think it's outrageous, and the apologies the State Department's having to run around and try and make to all of our allies 
And even this information you're going to see, I'm just going to share with you here from Democracy Now!, not a site I usually look at, but I stumbled into, uh, detailing the stuff in Ukraine. It, it, it's outrageous that this is out in the circulation, uh, no matter how true it is or if it's not true at all. But this is the Biden administration. Note that even though President Trump had a lot of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, none of those got out anywhere. But when you're dealing with the Biden administration, nobody gets disciplined, nobody gets fired, everything is just fine, they're just going to keep it all in the family, and I have zero confidence in General Lloyd Austin, and even less confidence in Milley. But here's that clip I promised you about the war in Ukraine. Concerning the war in Ukraine, the leaked documents suggest Ukraine has little chance of militarily defeating Russia. One document from February predicted that Ukraine's, quote, ability to provide medium-range air defense to protect the front lines will be completely reduced by May 23rd. The leaked documents also predicted the fighting between Ukraine and Russia in the Donbass region, quote, is likely heading toward a stalemate. Another document indicates members of Ukraine's security services were responsible for sabotaging a Russian plane inside Belarus in late February. The documents also appear to indicate U.S. intelligence agencies had deeply penetrated the Russian military, giving the Biden administration internal information about Russian war plans in Ukraine, as well as operational plans for the private mercenary group Wagner in Africa. The Washington Post reports one leaked document reveals the Wagner groups sought to purchase arms from Turkey, a NATO ally. Documents also show that Egypt, a close U.S. ally, secretly planned to produce 40,000 rockets for Russia. I have several quick takes on this report. First, it looks like the Ukrainians are running out of uh, air defense ammunitions. And that's going to be a problem because I don't think we're producing them fast enough to replace our own stocks, much less supply them. And I don't know how that's going to play into a future war with China over Taiwan. Second, many of us have suspected that this war is going to go to infinity and beyond in a stalemate. What is that going to do to our ability to continually feed the Ukrainian system? Everything from holding up financial support for their workers, for their pension funds, for all kinds of things. And in the meantime, the Russians are completely obliterating Ukraine. I'm surprised there's even a single building standing anywhere. The funds that are gonna, it's going to take to rebuild Ukraine are just beyond calculation. So who's going to pick that up? I don't think Europe's going to. They're not even picking up the destruction of the, of the Russian forces at the moment. Third, you got the report about our intelligence, about the Russians' intelligence. Boy, I think if there are any holes in that, those got plugged up in a hurry. And finally, it's nice to know an ally like Egypt is willing to provide lethal force to the Russians against the Ukrainians who we're putting all this money in for. Well, that's all I have to say about this. Perhaps next week we'll take it up again. What a mess, though. But as you come back to my theme today about feeling safe and secure, none of this information, and if you look through all the different iterations that have been out about these, these leaks, a lot of reporting in both the, all, the, all the newspapers, New York Times, Washington Post have gone really deep on this. There's nothing in any of this that makes me feel safer or more secure about how our government is handling anything. So you're wondering what foreign policy has to do with your immediate safety and security. 
Well, here's an example of how not knowing and understanding a candidate's position on foreign policy could put you and your family at increasingly deadly risk, especially as foreign policies butt up against domestic policies. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, and we have millions of illegal aliens stealing their way into our country, and we have no clue who they are or where they're going or what they're going to do. These are the gotaways. It's reasonable to assume that many have criminal records and or they are helping Mexican cartels to make themselves a criminal record by smuggling drugs and guns and trafficking indentured women and children into our country. Many of them are on the street selling drugs to our children. And no, I don't mean most of them, but too many of them are involved in these activities. And when you're talking about almost two million of them, there's going to be a lot of bad apples in two million. Now, Joe Biden refuses to lay the law down with the Mexican president that the illegal aliens flooding our country is not okay. But the Mexican president says, oh, Joe Biden, you have an open border domestic policy. This has nothing to do with Mexico. It's your problem. You could just say no. But wouldn't it have helped if voters knew that Biden was an open borders clown and what exactly that meant in terms of economic, social, cultural, and political costs to you and me, Americans. I do believe uh, this survey was completed by Harvard University, a very recent one, where they reported that 87%, uh, just call it 90%, of participants grossly underestimated the number of illegal alien encounters happening at what used to be our southern border. Now, if you're watching Fox News or Newsmax or one of those, you, you, you're probably up to speed on how many people are attempting to come across the border or have come across the border, both the ones that we can't account for and the ones that we've processed. But none of the legacy media, including the cable news outlets, are reporting about the border or anything to do with the border. And if they are reporting anything, it's along the lines of a human interest story about the hardships of stealing your way into another country. And we should all feel very empathetic and sympathetic about that and continue to let it go on. Now, wouldn't it have been helpful to know that your daughter's third grade class was going to have 14 more foreign elementary students in it this year, but the same number of teachers and help staff? Wouldn't it have been helpful to, uh, to know that property taxes were going to increase the following year to pay for all the new unexpected students. How about Joe Biden's unwillingness to confront the Mexicans and the Chinese over their production and sale of fentanyl that killed 71 million Americans last year and is bound to be much higher this year? Now, the Mexican president says Joe's Americans are addicts, and it isn't his problem. If you want to stop fentanyl, stop buying it. But, you know, we haven't really focused on China's role in this because they are supplying the raw materials. The Mexicans couldn't produce this stuff if they didn't get the raw materials from China. Do you think that Joe Biden is going to place a call to anybody in China and tell them to knock it off? No, I, that, that's never going to happen. He's already a bought man. Donald Trump would have told the Mexican president, if the drugs don't stop, trade with Mexico. We'll stop. No one's ever accused Joe Biden of being Donald Trump, but Donald Trump used exactly those kinds of tactics in getting things done and stopping the illegal 
immigration across Mexican borders. And as for the Chinese part in fentanyl deaths, we tried to tell you. But the Biden family, including Joe and James and Frank and Valerie and Hunter and a slew of other Biden family members, have received in excess of, drumroll, $31 million from China in various influence peddling schemes over the last 10 years. Biden has done absolutely nothing, zero, zip, nada, to push back on China about anything. Instead, China walks all over us. Now, if China cut trade with us tomorrow, our economy would collapse in 30 minutes, and many of us would die for the lack of medicines for which only China is the supplier. That's how well Joe is preparing us in this 21st century. And forget about Joe Biden's push on electric vehicles. China has 90% of all the raw materials to make EV batteries. And China's got that market cornered. Between a rock and a hard place hardly describes the position we're in because of Joe Biden's 50 years of foreign policy experience. For instance, wouldn't it have been helpful to have known that the Chinese would be free to fly a surveillance balloon across the nation, or that we'd be spending hundreds of billions of dollars on a proxy war with Ukraine, or that predictably Joe Biden's catastrophic departure from Afghanistan would not only happen, but would have damaging secondary and tertiary consequences to follow, things we're still suffering from today. One such outcome was bringing China and Russia together as strategic partners. Never would have happened if the Ukraine war hadn't happened and wouldn't have happened if Afghanistan was a disaster in every possible way. You may have forgotten, but Biden flew over 85,000 unvetted Afghans. We had no idea who most of these people were. They were just the first to shove their way on the planes. And you have to ask yourself, what are we really going to do if China decides to swallow Taiwan? Well, we're still trying to restock our munitions in our own stockpile, much less giving them away to Ukraine for the stalemate that's currently going on. All of these issues have profound consequences for our collective safety and security. And believe it or not, all of these Joe Biden foreign policy blunders have put you and me at risk. And the risk is palpable and it's getting worse every freaking day. I believe, as many others do, that we have not been at this level of risk since October 16, 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. If you, if you weren't there for the crisis, look it up. It, it's a very interesting story. I was in Catholic grade school during that particular crisis. I think those 13 days during the crisis, we must have practiced assembly and sheltering under our school desk at least 10 times. Not even 9-11 comes close to the possible risks we as Americans face today because of Joe Biden and his inept administration. Besides, when I think back about hiding under the desk for protection against a nuclear attack, perhaps we should be moving right along. Here's the next question. Who in America sets foreign policy? We do. Yes, we, the voters, set foreign policy. And how do we do that? Every four years, we elect a president of the United States. It should be glaringly apparent by now that whoever voted in Joe Biden 
and his Marxist party into power in 2021 made a demonic mistake that has put every single American at risk of economic harm, societal decay, and foreign wars. Can it be any mystery we Biden botched getting out of one war and botched getting into another one? Let's focus on just one foreign issue Trump and Tucker, Tucker Carlson discussed in their recent interview and see and see how the outcome Joe Biden's Afghanistan debacle outcome is currently affecting your safety and security. M- mine as well. You say, well, how can that be? It's been more than a year since Afghanistan. Now, let's take a listen and see. Afghanistan, one of the worst things I've ever seen. I think the most embarrassing moment that this country has ever had, frankly, the way we got out, not the getting out. We had to get out. It was ridiculous to be there. And I had that so good, so tight, so tough. I spoke to the leader, Abdul. I said, Abdul, if you do anything, you're going to get hit really hard. But we didn't have one death in 18 months. Not one death. And then to see the way we got out, like we were surrendering, like taking the military out first, leaving $85 billion worth of equipment behind, giving up Bagram. I was going to keep Bagram. I was getting out, but not for Afghanistan. It's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. It's one of the biggest Air Force bases in the world. I think the biggest with runways that go 10,000 feet. I was keeping that because of China, not because of Afghanistan. Right. Biden gave up a strategically critical, important air base in Afghanistan. Why? He said the generals never talked to him about any of these things, that the generals never informed him that leaving the way that he left with the plan that he had was terrible. There were going to be all kinds of consequences to it. But Biden claims, you know, with George Stephanopoulos that, oh, no, the generals never talked to him about all of these things. What, what a pathetic lie. Mistake number two, Biden took the military out first instead of last. And think of the international embarrassment. We lost face with our NATO allies. You know, Biden hadn't sufficiently communicated with our allies. NATO had 7,000 troops in country. We had about 2,500. And we surged a few thousand toward the end to help with the evacuation. But NATO was caught completely off guard, didn't understand, you know, that they were scrambling to leave the country at the same time after they found out that Biden was on this time uh, schedule. Even though, if you remember Biden talking, that this was not going to be the way America left Vietnam in that war. Remember that people weren't going to be leaving from the rooftops on in helicopters. Yeah, right, Joe. You know, toward the end of this whole fiasco the taliban gave us 72 hours to leave the country and it's another example of how biden interacts with foreign enemies we see this with russia and in saudi arabia now you know saudi arabia they, they want to be our friends they had been friendly to us during the trump administration but not now boy they have been cutting oil production and sticking it to joe every opportunity especially now that they have made a compact with Iran, brokered by China. Getting Saudi Arabia together with Iran is really unbelievable. Uh, What they did, the way they got out, was so horrible. Okay, everybody knows that was their plan. That had nothing to do with me. I was getting out, too. We would have gotten out with strength and dignity. And what happened? They got out. And the other day I hear, yeah, 
it was uh, Trump's fault. Oh, that's right. It was Trump. Trump. I was gone for a long I would have been out faster than them. We would have had all the equipment. We would have had the American citizens. We left hostages. We left Americans behind. Many, I think many more than you think. Uh, and we had 13 soldiers killed. And nobody ever mentions the fact that we had many maimed so badly. No arms, no legs. Their face was obliterated. This is the way this guy got out. We would have gotten out with dignity and strength. We were going to. Yes, we heard that last week. We heard it on Good Friday, in fact, when the Pentagon released a 12-page after-action report on Afghanistan. And a lot of it had said, well, Trump made all these arrangements and we didn't have any choice and we were forced into all these bad choices. And it's really not our fault. We did the best we could. We had a remarkable uh, recovery of all these people from Afghanistan, 85,000 of them, as I told you already, are refugees that they swooped up and, and carried into the country and, and located at several air bases around the country, and there had been no bedding for most of these people. And we, we, we haven't gotten a report of what's going on with these 85,000 people, just more immigrants, okay, not a problem. And Biden's refusal to own his plan even when he said the generals never told him a different way to go about this or there would be consequences. I mean, he, Biden threw the military under the Afghan bus. And we recently heard from Blinken, Anthony Blinken, our so-so Secretary of State, that they, they have records of at least 185 Americans that are still in Afghanistan, alive or not so alive. And we lost 13 soldiers and sailors, not to mention there's been more than 80 American military that were maimed, horribly maimed by that bomb explosion. We never hear about those people. Alden Walter Reed, you know, having appendages uh, reapplied to them. What a disgusting tragedy. They could have all been prevented. And reportedly, more than 200 Afghans were killed in that same blast. All of that could have been prevented as we took testimony from a Marine sniper just two or three weeks ago in a house herring on, Af uh, on Afghanistan. A Marine sniper reported that they had the bomber in their sights. They were ready to take him out. They knew that this was exactly the person. There was all kinds of confirmation, but they couldn't get the okay to go ahead with it because the military command no longer applied in Afghanistan. Now it was the State Department. They couldn't find a State Department official to give them the okay to go ahead and take out the bomber. Just another, just another, and another, and another Joe Biden mistake. We breached our commitment to the Afghans who helped us. We betrayed all Afghan women. Biden's committed to transgenderism in America, but Afghan women, the hell with them. And by the way, only 18% of the Afghan people are part of the Taliban. 18% rule 100% of the country. Don't think for a moment that the same cannot happen here in America with the attempted takeover by the progressives and the American Marxists in the Biden administration. Yeah, the death of 13 and and heinous harm to 80-plus American soldiers and sailors. Now, all this happened in 2021. Guess what? With the exception of the Marines, we haven't been able to meet our military recruiting goals for the Army or the Navy or the Air Force. Army is short some 15,000 recruits. And this is a direct result 
of Biden's Afghan disaster. They took the military out first, and they were afraid of our military. When I was there, they were afraid. We didn't have one soldier killed in 18 months. Not one soldier was killed in 18 months. And then we got out like we surrendered. I think it was the single most embarrassing day in the history of our country. You know, they're one of the largest arms dealers now in the world. They're selling the $85 billion worth of it because they only need 5% of it. Of course. They're selling the, the equipment. They're one of the largest, I think, second arms dealers. Brand new helicopters, brand new airplanes, brand new tanks. Unbelievable what we left behind. We ran. To Putin about Ukraine, what did you yeah. say to him? Uh, I could see that he loved it. And I said... Uh, he loved Ukraine. He considers it to be a part of Russia. Yeah. I said, not when I'm president. We had a very good relationship. He was... He, I mean, look, I was the worst thing that ever happened to him. I closed up his pipeline. You never heard the word the words Nord Stream 2 until I came along. Nord Stream 2 was their pipeline. And I had a great relationship with them, but it was very tough because they had a fake Russia investigation. And I told them, and he told me, he said, it's very hard for us to deal, don't you think? I said, very hard, because we have a fake investigation that turned out to be a fake for two years it went on, and we could have done very well with Russia. They have great minerals, they have great things that we want, we could have, and they need the money and they need other things. Yes, indeed, an unnecessary proxy war with Russia drove the Russians and the Chinese to get together. What an unfortunate but very foreseeable circumstance. And Trump comes back to my question about safety and security. Everything Biden has done in two years has set us on a danger path to more conflict with fewer friends to support us. Biden's pathological obsession with global warming and climate change is not only economically self-destructive, but he's missing the really big picture. Now, Trump, Trump compellingly makes the point that with the proliferation of nuclear weapons, our greatest danger from incompetent, woke, ideological leadership isn't global warming. It's global destruction from nuclear war. You said at the time when you were president that going to war with Russia, either hot war or cold war, would drive Russia into an alliance with China. I did. That would displace us as the most powerful nation. I did. But we have a bigger problem. The bigger problem is the weaponry. The weaponry today is so powerful. This isn't like Second World War where we have army tanks running around shooting each other. This is weapons the likes of which the world has never seen before. They have them and we have them. And China has them less, but within five years, China will have equal to us. China, I'm talking about nuclear. China has the beginnings of a very big, very powerful nuclear. They're short five years. They had started much later. Russia and us are comparable. Massive power, massive. And that's one of the M things. More than people understand? More than people understand, yeah. yeah. Trump's not finished. He's got more to say on this topic. Why is this not something our leaders talk about or the press talks about? You don't mention, I call it the N-word. You have two N-words. You don't mention either one of them. The nuclear word, you don't mention. I don't think they get it. Uh, Putin got it. I would talk to him about it all the time. I never mentioned the word nuclear. You never heard me mention the word. So when we talk about war, and when I watch all of the people talking about Ukraine and how's Ukraine doing, blah, 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 Russia's sitting back, first of all, Ukraine's being obliterated. Yes. Okay, let's not even talk nuclear. 
But let's say it wasn't. Let's say they were doing better than anticipated. Uh, if he decided to use a second form of destruction, which is nuclear, that's the end of that. You understand? Trump had much more to say in this interview, and I want to share more of this with you next week. I also found some interesting lines in Andrews and Wilson's book entitled War Shadows. I couldn't help but think of Donald Trump when I read this pledge. Quote, For those who can't, for those that won't, and for those who choose to look the other way. Is Trump a fiery phoenix arising from the ashes of Biden's destruction? It remains to be seen. Trump and leaders like Governor Ron DeSantis here in Florida remind us of the few who take the leader's creed seriously. I will decide. I will act. I will be accountable even when no one else will. You've been listening to The Frankly Daniels Show. And thank you for lending me your ears this past hour. Until next week, God bless you. And please think about your safety and security. 